of Fancy Tickles. I am your host, Bryce Beeler, a.k.a. Uncle Wrecking Ball, with my beautiful hetero life mate forever. Jimmy. Oh, oh. i fuck, dude. I was liquid Shit. gold there, too, for a second. <clears throat> From the top, just kidding, James yep. Madoff. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, welcome back, guys, to another fantastic week. Uh, we got a treat for you this evening. Uh, we got an interview with Dallas Boyd, and I'll be the first to tell you Bryce does a majority of the talking on this because I woke up fuzzy and groggy as all hell just before this was supposed to go down, still yawning halfway through, so my brain wasn't firing on all cylinders like it should have been. It seems as if not Jim, your fault, uh, doesn't folks. realize that I typically do that every episode. Uh, sometimes. I let you talk sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For a co-host, you know. Yeah. It's well, a one-man yeah. show. No, you, I mean, <laughs> you're there. You're my Jimmy Wisman. I'm James Petrigallo. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. You know, we need us. Otherwise, there's nothing. True. Yeah. But, but folks, but music. <laughs> That's the other thing Tonight we is the treat, music. Uh, so, right off the bat, we're going to get into what got us into music. And obviously, you get introduced to music. From the jump when you're a baby, whether it's nursery rhymes, anything like that, watching, you know, Sesame Street, there's constantly songs on there that get you moving and grooving. Right, like shit that you've memorized your whole life, you don't even realize that you know that song and then you're singing it as you go through Toys R Us or whatever yeah. isn't open anymore. And then once you get, to, like, as you get older, you start recognizing songs that your parents have on the radio and kind of that, grow into a vibe of taste that their music. for me like I don't really I mean I don't remember my mom or dad like singing these songs like anybody that knows my yeah. parents Jim like <laughs> they probably weren't like the nursery rhyme kind of folks <laughs> but what I can for sure fucking remember is like full summer heat in Anatolia I used to live in the woods and we had outbuildings and on every outbuilding the radio was tuned to like the golden oldies it was just always on that station that's what my dad grew up on like he's 78 now and so his idea of like grooving rock and roll music is like super super mellow golden oldies but it was always playing and didn't matter you know daytime nighttime at night we'd like turn all of them off at one but you'd still have that one on all night or whatever yeah um and that was outside it was just constant so i always remember as a kid even though it was the woods and it was quiet there was always some like rock and fucking song on there was always and that's what i thought music was like it wasn't until like i really started listening like my dad obviously didn't want me to know that there was more than one radio station when I was young enough. Like, I sh like for the longest time, I just thought radio it was the thing you turned on. Yeah. And then, like, I, I'm pretty sure one time I was fucking with the dial or whatever. and I, I sort of kind of remember this, so I was probably pretty young, probably f three or four, somewhere in there. And it did the, like, radio squelch thing, and something else came on, and it was like, I think if I remember right, and this is just, maybe it's the teenage angst in me or whatever, but I was pretty sure it was a Nirvana song. Um, and I want to say it was Smells Like Teen Spirit, and it was about halfway through the song. I can remember that, like, looking back in my head and being like, whoa, like, I had no fucking... What is this? Whoa, whoa. Like, at first I didn't even wreck it almost didn't seem like music at first. It was just all this noise coming at me. 
And then, of course, I was attracted to, like, all that noise, you know, from then on. Because I'd go to, like, my mom's and she'd have a whole different kind of music because she's, yeah. like, 18 years younger than my dad. So <laughs> i go from golden oldies and mellow shit and then it was, like, Pantera. But then also, like, Barbara Streisand and Garth Brooks and Celine Dion and, like, everything you can think of. I remember the Mamas and the Papas album, like, where they're all, all on the front of it and they're looking through the grass or, like, in the woods kind of looking through the grass and... I could always, that thing got wore out. Like, I remember we'd always turn it over and just the scratches were so bad, but it kept working. Like, I think only yeah. one song didn't work. <laughs> um, that was, like, where music started for me. And then, of course, as I got older, it, <coughs> it never became what was popular on the radio, like, what was current, but it was whatever was current, like, 10 years before or, like, 15 years before. So, like, I always loved Nirvana and shit like that as I was, like, growing up and Pantera and like Ugly Kid Joe and I listened to kind of weird stuff back then you know even oh of course I smoked a bunch of fucking weed and now I'm having a brain fart the dude that has the chainsaw song the band was in town oh yeah that was the last concert that I went to and because I'm so high I can't fucking remember the name of that <laughs> band buy weaker shit for the podcast Bryce no it's it's one fucking thing and I, it, it's like that's gonna <laughs> bug me cause I was rolling good it'll hit it. after we end the podcast and yeah be it like, will hit record one more time and I'll just fucking one yeah and we'll put it right in the end after the outro <laughs> and we'll just maybe in like fucking Pantera or something you know which isn't the goddamn band no. that Pantera stuck in my I got a chainsaw baby that song <laughs> fucking yeah. I, I didn't go so oh. I don't know Dude, uh, anyway, so for me, music started, like, <laughs> obviously, like I said, you, you grew up watching these little kid shows, and I honestly don't remember any of that, but I was just going, like, a typical little kid. Oh, That's yeah, where, yeah, like, like where you music, develop music. Or, like, the books or the toys that have music in it or something the like that. The little four key piano. Yeah. Like, you get the little toys and stuff mm-hmm. like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But for, like, me, music, I remember my, it, it was, like, three kinds of music that I grew up with when I was little. Like, my dad had the golden oldies like that, where it was... Um, like Beach Boys, he was he was big into the surfer scenes because he was oh a little grew bit up in California, yeah, in like the sixties, yeah. So he was like well, and then he'd have like, um, Buddy Holly, he'd have all those old guys playing going stuff back, like that. yeah, because so that was further. the kind of shit that my yeah. dad listened. So to. he would do like he was like my dad got the when he was in California, he was um, lived right on the beach in the area, so he would get to like and down there they would have concerts on the beach. So he got to see, like, the Beach Boys. He got to see a whole bunch of fucking people back in the day. So that would be on one station. And then if I'd be in the car with my mom, it would be, like, classic country, like, Randy Travis, Travis Trigg, Garth (laughs) Brooks, that kind of stuff. Like, the the early 90s country. And then, like, when I got introduced to my uncle, he introduced me to, like, rap and (laughs) R&B. And that was kind of where more my style came from, where my (coughs) vibe into music. But... As I've gotten older, I've gone back and listened to some of that other stuff still to kind of, like, retouch the roots and everything like that. Yeah. But even, like, fourth grade, I got introduced to Limp Biscuit and, like, Rob Zombie with a buddy Levi Pettingill. Oh, yeah. Who was, like... And I'd never heard those guys that before, so... That shit is so vanilla to Levi yeah. now. Shout out to Levi Pettingill. He's a good buddy, and he probably isn't going to listen to this show because he's typically got better shit to do, like, all day long. Usually, um, but, but if he does, love him anyway. Yeah, he, he like started on that shit, like like well, Pantera, he says Pantera and Godsmack, and like that's so vanilla to him. Now I like turned his radio on one time, and it was just it was people screaming, and what I could only assume Behemoth was and Mastodon. Hell, and yeah, dude, a job for a cowboy, and just fucking 
and I was like, oh my god, this is so scary. And he just like used to fall asleep to that shit, dude. Like that's one of my favorite movie or, or uh, music type stories is somehow figuring out how to go to sleep at Levi Pettengill's house if his mom wasn't home because the radio was gonna just be fucking. Well, the bass. He had like fifty speakers in his room. That was the only thing in his room was bed, posters on the wall, a skateboard, a TV, and then just fucking speakers, dude. Well, everywhere. the crazy thing is that those speakers that he had hooked up to a stereo were the same speakers that his TV was hooked into, so when he would play video games or watch a movie in there, <laughs> yeah. that's where the <laughs> sound came from, was these big, like, 412 speakers in his room, and he would have it on, like, the like volume two, but the bass was so heavy in it yeah. that it, it was like the vibrations is what put him <laughs> to sleep. Like, some people have to have a fan on. His had to have, like, that vibration, like, it had to make the bed vibrate without putting a quarter in it, yeah, was the, his kind of the setup. The devil had to scream music yeah. at him, and then he slept. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, slowly growing up, like I said, you get into, like, you start touching into your own music, and so you grow into, like, like I said, for me, it was Limp Bizkit, uh, Eminem, um, my, like I said, my uncle got me into R&B, so that was kind of more, like... Boys to Men, I was just gonna say, I didn't know if it was early Jagged Edge, you know, Boys to Men, All for One, uh, <laughs> kind of in that same era, Aaliyah, you know. Jeez. There was some shitty music there for a while. There was, boy, yeah. I tell you. But it, you can't, you're not going to find music like that for a long time, whether it's... You sure, play. but like 96 to 2006 was a big old bunch of bullshit in mm, music. Some of it. Some I of mean, it. maybe rap music had like some good stuff going on during that time, obviously. But the rest of it, I don't, I don't know. It didn't who, what, like what big awesome. Well, I mean, thing you got to look at that well, corn, corn's still huge. Okay, corn is huge. Slipknot, huge. Those kind of things. I guess I think of those as real bands. So like, it's a real pointed question. I'm like, you know, like. Well, then, I mean, you've got Eminem has been huge for that genre. That's true. Um, and I and I hate to say it, but <coughs> Britney Spears was huge for that genre. Christina Aguilera at the time. And then as they got older, their music evolved into where it wasn't so right. candy pop. Right, if you pop. think about, I don't know, like the psychology of it, they were more famous than they were musicians. Oh, for sure. Even though they were famous for being musicians. Like, so something changed in music where, like, you know, like after Kurt Cobain died, it seemed like everybody then wanted to face the public as a musician, either as a hero or anti-hero. You know, like, I'm a bad boy. Or you just couldn't be, like, just a regular person. Yeah. Whatever that stood on, like, super good musical ability and, like, ability to create songs and shit and influence your own music. And so, I maybe that's what I was kind of getting at. Is, well, and I get, okay, things so became, I'll battle that in a little bit. Um, Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay. Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. Uh, two and a, Foo Fighters. But again, I exclude those. Those are real bands. Those are real musicians that don't have to do anything but show up and play music. True. But what I'm saying is that, like, they, but individually, I mean, they were big, but like, there's no stadium fillers. Like, there is, but they, I don't know. I just don't consider like 10,000 electronic pieces of equipment a way to like make music. So it's like just because a bunch of like EDM festival kids are, oh no, I get that. But overheating, you gotta listen again, those bands that I just named were actually stadium fillers too though right they but they were a figure I don't know anyway fucking way off topic but it there seems to be more soul and like history to the music like maybe it's that I've only for the longest time as a person heard certain bands because you can't see them in front of you because there wasn't yeah. 
television to every day, like, look what Britney Spears, they do her hair, and look what yeah. this person, how fat they are now, and how skinny this person is, you know, they, you don't see their every day, as a, and they, so that's well, where that social famous media. thing comes from, like, the only time you'd hear from Tom Petty was when the next album came out. You know, yeah. maybe do spots on radio or whatever, and probably few and far between. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, not a lot of well, interviews. Well, back then it was of... it was all TV shows. Like you'd have like Lawrence Welk or something like that, where they'd perform right, on right. American Bandstand. Um, you know, other other there was different form of media back then than there is now. No, I was trying to think of that late night guy, Carson. Yeah. Like, yeah, Carson. Yeah, people on. Yeah, Leno would always have a bunch of people on. Both of them had like up and coming like. Bands and comedians. Yeah. Like, really good. Some some people's first public appearances and shit. For sure. But, yeah, like, as I got older, so then, okay, maybe transition into, at the same time of coming of age in the music that I, like, latch onto now and I still listen to today, I then started playing guitar and playing drums and playing keyboard and playing kind of any instrument I could get my hands on, harmonica, anything that I could learn, um, to try and be a part of a band. Or, like, be, you know, it seemed like a cool thing to do, you know, but I didn't really put the proper effort into, like, learning yeah. how to actually be part of a band. And it wasn't until, like, I was an older adult that I could appreciate, like, playing music with other people, just, like, jamming and things like that, as opposed to, we're going to write this song. Like, I remember Jordan Hoffman and me, like, really trying to lay down some whole song start to finish, <laughs> you know, like, without... Haven't ever like practiced a song or like what are we gonna play? I don't know, man. Hit a power chord, and then he'd start, you know, like start drumming, whatever it was, and then I'd be like, okay, that sounds cool, you know, let's do this other thing. And actually, once we got down to Colorado, we started sounding pretty good. Yeah, um, that was where we played the best because we did have a couple songs. I, like I can see my fingers playing it, looking at the thing, but I have no idea in my head what it actually sounds like anymore. Right. I'm like, how did that little song go? Because I could probably dig that one out of the chest. Yeah, but. uh so, like, well, I did band 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Were you the trumpet kid? No. So here's here's where I got. I was 6th grade. I was trombone. I had to learn the bass clef on the notes. Oh, yeah? Because I wanted to play bass guitar. It was the first year that bass guitar was introduced into the elementary school program. They so would that music's play. the same? Yes, it's oh, all wow. on the same. The notes, like... So the notes aren't written, like, on a piano or whatever? No. So it's all in the same, like, the same staff, yeah. right? And then it's, instead of being, like, the and, the ampersand symbol, it's just a little Nike swoosh turned on its side. <laughs> that's the bass clef. Okay. And so that's where you get, like, the lower end notes, obviously. But okay. those were the, in the same, like, the notes there, you just play them differently on the bass guitar. And so... I had to do that to learn the notes and everything and how to read that music for six months. And then and then they could let me switch to the bass guitar. So when I switched to the bass guitar, I had, um, I got my setup at home and then the school, because of parades and stuff like that, picked up a battery powered amp that had a sling over it and I'd wear <laughs> in the parade. Yeah. So I would have that big ass fucking like 30 pound Oh, it was a big one. It, was, it wasn't huge. It was probably probably about the size of the mic case. That's and, pretty big for a kid yeah. to haul around and, and the bass guitar. Yeah. So <laughs> that was slung over the shoulder and then the bass guitar rocking. And I played that for the Soton County Parade and the parade that they used to have march up 6th Street in the summer, or Christmas Parade. Oh, I played yeah, in both yeah, of yeah. those, yeah. You and played so, way bigger shows than me, dude. Well, 
That's rock star status. Man. You know how many fucking people are at the Christmas parade? Usually, that's a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. And then, if you think about it, if you're like a kid that's scared of like passing through crowds and you join the band and you have to go do that where there's crowds on both sides well, and for because, miles, dude. Because that was it was terrible. so long on one end, I had no choice but to stand <laughs> on that end right on the edge so uh, everybody on that side can see. little kids. Yeah, I can't be in the I inside. I Funny story about that. So sixth grade, um, not the Christmas parade, but the one after that. I think we actually did, I think we did three parades that year because we did the Asotan County one, we did the Christmas one, and then there was one at the end of the year that we did where we had, we were marching, and I don't remember what we were playing, but um, one of the kids dared me to go over and pick up a Tootsie Roll off the ground while we were marching, <laughs> and I was like, fuck it, I just went over and grabbed it, put it in my pocket, and when we got back to school on Monday, the teacher, like, pinpointed me out. <laughs> some of us, we didn't do such a great job, and some of us having to stop for candy didn't make us look any better, so blah, blah, blah. Well, then transition into seventh and eighth grade i did band there and then eighth grade i kind of fell out of it a little bit like i just wasn't feeling it as much as i, I was. don't know why for some reason i remember you hefting around a bass guitar though did you have one after like i never played like it after kept that one or anything no because like for some reason i always thought like i had it and i think i ended up selling it to pettingill oh and it was I that red bass that he had yeah, because I played okay. the shit out of that one, too. Yeah, that, that was, was the, the bass first time I, I ever got to play bass, really, was that, I think. Yeah, that was the sixth grade bass that I had. That <laughs> oh, shit. I the wanted... Ferdinand or whatever yeah, that was. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Exactly. Fuck and, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I played that all the way through eighth grade, and then somehow, like, so they had, in the band room in eighth grade, they had the lockers and stuff like oh, that, yeah. they finally got in there. So mine had my guitar and my amp and everything else like that, but something happened to the cord that I had, like the cord that goes from the guitar to the <coughs> amp. It like either got stolen or got borrowed and never got put back or something like that. I don't know what happened to it. I, all I know Neither is... Do I. <laughs> no, this was when I was in eighth grade. Yeah. You're a dick if you stole it. <laughs> um, if it was you because I got a C- minus in that class, I'm going to beat your ass. Oh, that's so funny, dude. You so ruined what, your musical Well, future. what it was, was I just, like, the teacher's like, you don't have, like, you're still going to have to play. And if you come to the show, like, if you come to the concert, you're going to use one of our chords to play. And so I just quit going to the concerts because, like, uh, if it got stolen out of your locker in your room, why is it my responsibility to replace it? Oh, right. And so I was just getting, I was pissed about that. And so that <coughs> kind of what threw me out of that. I still like playing bass guitar and stuff When's like that. When's the last time we played bass guitar? Dude? It's been a long time. It's been a long, long time. Maybe that's what we should do with some of our, our doodly time. Our free time. Yeah. Looking at finding another one. Who knows? I could fall into it again, I suppose. We got like an acoustic bass because then I can get an acoustic guitar. I bet neighbor dude. I probably have to learn all over sound. again. Dude, I don't know how to play guitar either. I well, sort of do. You probably know be a lot little more than I. It's gonna be a little power chord. Yeah, I don't know any of those either. It's just, a, you know, like you drop one string and just straight finger it. Boom. Yeah, we'll see. Like every ACDC song ever. I'm just gonna fuck it and do the drums like we were talking about earlier. Uh, <laughs> and then solely from that man, yeah, I just got like I said, ninth grade. You, you're my. I was always the kid that had headphones on, just like Pettingill. But it was those damn CD players before I, <laughs> before the iPods or MP3 players came out. Which, speaking of, I was the one kid in the school that had a Zune instead of like an iPod. An iPod. 
I had that Sony mini disc player. Yeah. Like the one or two years that those things were a thing. Uh, it was rad though. Like you could put a ton of fucking music on those things, and that was the first like compact thing that I could skateboard with because you fucking back in the day like the Discman or whatever those were. I mean that would only fit in like Jinko jeans, and I only had like ten pairs of those. Not you know I mean? that weren't ripped and torn. To well, now that anyway. I think about it, the only reason I ever started wearing really baggy clothes when I did was. Like, a, I could have a skate tool in this pocket, and I'd have my CD player in that <laughs> pocket, and my wallet in this pocket, and I was just one of those dirty little skateboard kids, like, with baggy, squishy clothes, because everything looks heavy, and it's like, because it is. Well, those disc players were, had some of the, like, most false advertising on them ever. Oh, yeah. This anti-skip bullshit. Yeah, yeah. shock-proof. No, fuck that. Yeah. You yeah. hit, you kick a pebble, and it was going to skip. That was how bad it was. What's funny is, I think... That affected my skateboarding too because the music I listened to, I really like. I really liked skateboarding, listen to music when it would work, and so when I had a CD player that would skip or whatever, I would like be way more like smooth, like to really try and like always land soft and always land straight, and like I think it actually super helped my skateboarding to like learn how to balance enough that you don't make your disc man skip yeah. well that's the funny thing too how much music has influenced sports and vice versa oh for sure like like how it's used so like at the entrance of well it used to be this way but like a, a cage fight when yeah. people come in it's usually like a pump you up song I mean like recently some UFC fighters have done like Celine Dion and Sinead O'Connor and like all sorts of like really weird not pump you up songs like I always picked like for those about to rock or uh, Suicide Messiah by Black Label Society. I, when I when I was fighting, I came out to that probably like eight or nine times. And then uh, we did, like I think the first song I ever went out to in a cage fight was Pantera That Walk. So like, it was always something heavy, you know. And then as I got like older, I, I really, really liked For Those About to Rock by ACDC because it's just the way it starts, super mellow, but when it's like comes in through the speakers, like that's one of those like, yeah, as you start vibrating, dude, like, Music used to affect me huge like that in the gym, for sure. Like, when you're training and you're tired and, like, you know, if, if something happened to the CD player, like, somebody bumped into it, knocked it off, whatever, which happened, like, a billion times. But, like, when you didn't have that music, it just, it was almost blah. It was weird. Like, you couldn't, you, you know, you didn't have that extra, like, vibrate to, like, keep yeah. pushing or whatever. Well, I think the dudes that are coming out to the slower, more, like, strange stuff is not so much for them as they're already pumped. It's more to like a mind fuck for the opponent. Maybe, yeah, because that's what uh, one of the last songs Conor McGregor came out to. I don't know if it was when he, when he fought uh, Donald Cerrone or if it was the one just before that. But yeah, Sinead O'Connor, like, I think she sang at one of his too. Like, I think if wow. they did one in Ireland or they did one in Vegas. <clears throat> well, it's like the dude that comes out and he's like, he'll, he'll do the pose for the fights, but he always does the, like, the funny... No, yeah, dude. Like, uh, here, here's your drink, here's that, my drink. Yeah, that's the guy that wrestles. Uh, it's not Lawler, was it? Yeah, dude, Lawler did all sorts of funny-ass shit, dude. He was used that? to, like, he came out, because, like, in the early generation of uh, UFC, there was this guy that would, he would come out with white pants, a white wife beater tucked in, well, like, to, like, white gi pants, you know? Oh, yeah. And then he had one boxing glove on one hand and then an open hand on the other so he could wrestle. Oh, but like you could just you could just not have a gloves on either one of them, and it's more devastating. But anyway, he came out dressed like that one, like the guy had this big, huge mustache, fucking thing, 
And, and this was like for real cool in like 92. So the guy was awesome. He had the mullet. He had the, and Tom Lawler came out dressed like that for one of his fights. And the guy, and they were trying to do the, sta- st- the standoff order. But Tal- Lawler still like got in there all serious. But he looked <laughs> like that dude. And the other guy was just like, he, every picture they took, his face was just like ear to ear grinning, laughing. And he couldn't fucking control himself. And then Lawler destroyed the was, dude. Was he the same dude that come out and he like brought flowers to the guy? No, that was that's the guy I'm dude. talking about. Yeah, that's the, there's been a huge compilation that's been played across Facebook with that guy. <laughs> he like comes out and he brings the guy flowers and he like squares up and he rock paper scissors with him and he's like paper covers his fist. It's like I win. <laughs> that's so funny. Dude. Like it was super good. He, I can't like, believe I missed. He that. boops the guy on the nose. <laughs> he like comes out oh. and he like squares up and he just like that. <laughs> Did you see that one where, I want to say it was Don Fry or Heath Herring? Yeah, the dude that used to have the mohawk and then he dyes hair all the different oh, colors yeah, too. Yeah. And it's in Japan and it's in a ring instead of a cage. And he's fighting this guy that's wearing a wrestling singlet and he, I think he's Chinese. He looks, or something like Chinese, Japanese, I'm terrible at that, but sorry. But like, he was Asian. Yeah. And But he's wearing this like singlet with like the American flag on it. And so when they come square off, the Asian dude kisses Heath Herring on the face when they're getting all nose to nose and Heath Herring just winds up and just sleeps him dude fight hadn't even started yet he just Jeez. knocks him totally cold and he's like throwing his hands I'm like what dude I kissed me and he's like using the other F word and he's like that F word kissed me you know like <laughs> <laughs> you know it was an appropriate time not that it was appropriate but it yeah. was acceptable it would be on TV and people yeah. said it and you know, it's one of those things where back in the day that word has changed and taken. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. in our era, like if you if you just called somebody that, it just meant they were like a douche. Well, it's like retarded. Like, retarded. Yeah, yeah dude. Time. Like yeah, the, all all of our power words that we used to use that were absolutely not meant to hurt any specific person. They were meant to hurt all people. <laughs> like yeah. if I called you one of those, dude, it was you know, it's like you're retarded, dude. And, you know, somebody might be affected by that more than, like, you're stupid, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Is that, like, the same word? Uh, basically. I think it's acceptable. Isn't that weird how words that mean the exact same thing but are just a different word are acceptable? Well, and I think, so, I mean, I think there's levels of stupid. Right. And levels of like you, the R word. Uh, where it's more, where, like, now they've changed the R word to special needs or handicapped. Or something along yeah. those needs. Well, it's Where funny, stupid is I think just I was watching a TED it's talk. another verb for like dumb. Right, I was watching a TED talk and I can't remember who, who the lady was, but she used the word retarded. But she used it at like it, it has been hindered, like it has nothing to do with like that it was a person. She said it, and somebody was like, "Can you use that word?" And she's like, "No, I use the exact proper usage of that word." And then went <laughs> right back into the TED talk, like <laughs> just because you don't know that part of your vocabulary doesn't mean I don't. Right. Music! Little sidetrack there, guys. But that, I got you I mean, good for like 10 minutes, dude. Okay, so here's here's my <laughs> thought on your conspiracy corner. Because I was going to drop this on you earlier and I forgot oh, to. shit. So, I don't know anything about the Kurt Mask? Cobain. No, no, the Kurt oh, Cobain. I really want to talk about COVID masks. <laughs> well, there's that too. All right, Kurt Cobain, which one? What the, thing? The uh, Courtney... Oh, dude. I don't know anything about that. Okay. So for those that don't know... Conspiracy Corner with Bryce. Five minutes. <laughs> oh, shit. You're dropping it on me. Okay, so there is a conspiracy theory that has somewhat uh, some legs to it. Um, the problem is, and what we're talking about is, Courtney Love uh, having killed Kurt Cobain. So, 
There's also weird conspiracies about her having been like a CIA sleeper agent thing, whatever, which is just put in place to discredit the fact that Courtney Love very likely killed Kurt Cobain. Um, there's like a notebook was found that was left at her lawyer's office of her practicing Kurt's handwriting. Like she had torn a page out of his journal. Um, and then she was just practicing how he would write. And, and apparently she had like books and book, like a whole notebook or two full of her practicing Kurt's handwriting. This was just before his suicide note and just before he supposedly shot himself. Okay. Um, so when they go back through and you look at the actual letter of his suicide note, for the most part, the, the whole top half doesn't run any different than like a journal entry or like uh, if you were just talking about your day in your journal and it wasn't like a suicide note. Um, and then all of a sudden it starts turning like, and you can see on the actual, there's like a definitive complete change in the handwriting. It becomes like super rapid and super fast and hurried and whatever, which some people would lend to him being upset, but a lot, a lot of people that have never dealt with that particular thought or whatever don't realize it's actually pretty commonplace for some people. It's not like a hurried, gotta be done type of thing, so that can be discredited in that sense there. Um, and it also just turns from like what seemed to be a story about his childhood and seeming like he was failing in his band to this is, you know, I'll be waiting for you at the altar, blah, 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 all this thing. And like the, the complete tone of the letter changes as that handwriting changes. And it's pretty, I wish next time we do a pod, I wish we could hook up another thing that has the internet on it. So we can just be like, when I think of something before I blurt it out on the, <laughs> that thing, we, I can look it up and be like, this is what I want to talk about. Okay. Fair you enough. Know what I'm saying? Um, but back to the conspiracy. Um, a lot of people also lend the fact that, well, he, he had an overdose, so maybe he was writing a letter and done some drugs, and then that's what caused that. He would be absolutely unable to write anything with the amount of heroin that was in his system. And yes, he was somebody that had been narcan at like three times the amount a normal person would die from. Um, but on at that time, he had like seven times the amount in his system, or five times the amount, whatever, a way bigger amount yeah. than it should take to kill you. Um, which would cause, and you've seen tons of people that do heroin, they'll hit the needle and in a matter of seconds they're like laying back and just not doing anything. You definitely wouldn't write like a whole paragraph of a suicide note after, after that, the yeah. fact or during the process because it's not something that takes time in that particular sense. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, those are just like little bullet points because you let me smoke weed and it's entirely your fault that I smoked weed. Usually I can't remember all the bullet points of the rest of this and you hit me hard with the conspiracy corner which is my next conspiracy that Jim is part of the man program and that's why he gets me only five minutes at a time on a little podcast because then that's my only five minutes instead of going out in the streets and being like why am I wearing this fucking mask that doesn't do anything. I, that's something I couldn't tell you man. On those I'm five minutes cut. No, you still now got you a couple, don't, still got no, a couple you don't get to even talk about it anymore. All right, fine, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but what we do have for you in store is uh, a really awesome interview with a local artist, Dallas Boyd, uh, from the band Brothers. And he recently put out, it seems like two albums, but his most recent one is you know? Life Lessons. And uh, found on Spotify. Um, if you just look up Dallas Boyd, it'll have all of his music on there. Uh, and you can also find Brothers on there as well. Um, as well does, as just about every platform online, apparently. Yeah. Uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Music, 
Everything. The dude's put, he's, he's definitely stepped out to put his music out there, which is awesome. Yeah, he's um, went from, like, a 17-year-old little guitar carrying around longboard and kid to, like, what seems like a really, really nice guy, like an amazing man, and a super, super talented artist. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview, and then I definitely would go out and listen to the newest album, as well as his, I guess, electronic music, but because it's his twist on it, it's like, it's his own thing. It's yeah. one of the coolest things I've seen people do with music from the valley in a really long time. Yeah. And he's just well, and he's not even local anymore. He's down in Kentucky now. He's. Um, I, I have a feeling after he sees that people are reaching out that we want him back. We need a music well, messiah in the valley. I think the thing is down there. He's <laughs> the scene. The scene's awesome. different. Yeah. yeah. And, and you guys have heard that more of in, music. The, in the interview. He, yeah explains a lot of what he's doing with his time now and where he came from in music and some pretty interesting stuff so uh if we don't hear you again we love you and have a good night and please stay on for the interview because this local artist is uh an interesting guy has a lot to say about music and life so pretty rad awesome later guys bye <laughs> all right folks so we got dallas boyd from the band brothers uh back in the studio on the phone, far, far away from Kentucky, and uh, he's got a new album out, and uh, we thought we'd bring him in and have him tell us a little bit about what he's been doing with the future, because uh, as it sits, I, I remember him being like 16, 17 years old, running around with a longboard, and since then he's become this musician and this adult. When I see pictures of him like at bars or talking about drinking, I'm like, you should not be doing that. You're just a little boy. But apparently you're a grown-ass man now that's, like, living the rock star life. So, uh, you know, with that being said, uh, on the albums that you put out, uh, I noticed that there was the newest one. Um, what do we got there? The Life Lessons. And Sorry then, about that, man. Yeah, and then there was also, like, the one that a lot of the electronic music was on. Now, yeah, are, I, is that just you doing that, or is that still a brother's thing? Um Every single thing on all of those recordings of my solo stuff, I I did every single part on. Um, I recorded it, mixed it, produced it, everything. Um, oh wow! Yeah, that's that's like a Bob Dylan esque way to go about it. Like either you play the instrument or find somebody to play it, but you're the soul of the whole song. So is that the same with the with both of those albums, or is is the rock one more? Well, that's all guys? on one. The the oh, link that I sent you is the whole thing. All that is on one album. Oh, okay. Because when I when you look at it on Spotify, like uh, I think it was "Burn It Down," which yeah. is the outro track. Uh, it had like this kaleidoscopy hippie psychedelic vibe to the cover, so I wasn't sure if that was part of it or just a different album cover. So, um, like the one with all the electronic stuff on it, um, that's called "Artist Unknown." You're not alone. Um, it's actually, like, that cover is actually a velvet painting that I bought my senior year in high school at Houndstooth Vintage Store that was right off of 6th Street, um, and it was, I just, it was hanging on my wall forever, um, but I, that electronic album kind of, like, I was just, it was my take on an electronic album, you know, it's because I like all music, so it kind of comes out that way. And then um, the one with me as a little kid with a cowboy hat, that's my <laughs> new one. Um, and on all of it, even like my singles and everything, everything was done at my house um, on my setup, just playing and writing and recording. And yeah, um, 
I haven't I haven't released anything that had anybody else on it. The only kind of um, I think there's two songs, um, actually three songs where I have somebody else singing with me, like um, the song uh, "Show Me the Way." I have my really good friend um, from Kentucky, Matt Castle. He is uh, doing some background on there with me. Um, as long and as well as the song "Empty Nest" off my new album, um, he did like there's like a really high part where um, just like in the background, um, he did that for me. And then um, the song on my electronic album called "Disturbing the Peace." Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually his song um, that I, I play with him. Like I play lead guitar um, with him um, when we do live stuff. And um, it was a, we recorded the whole song, and then I went back and I just took his voice and then mixed mixed the song off of it and just made it like wanted to go like the whole like Billie Eilish kind of style, like the whole like just kind of mi- mixed and weird kind of thing. Um, yeah, and it seemed I noticed that with your newest album, is it it seemed to have so much influence from different kinds of music. Uh, yeah like you know burn it down is like you know uh what would you call it a protest era kind of the civil rights movement style song but it revamped yeah. you know i just was i was kind of blown away by that because as the album moved you know it went from it seemed like electronic music mixed with it seemed like a lot of jazz on a couple tracks and i wrote down which ones because i just had the album playing on my bluetooth speaker while i was reading and stuff and I just kind of kept letting it play and letting it play and there was ones I would skip to or try and find you know get it to shuffle to um because I would want to you know pick up that stuff but it seems like you spread some pretty big wings like to bring your album together and it still has a really whole sound um it definitely is unique enough that you can be like oh that's this band you know and the tracks are going to go together even though some of them are so drastically different yeah in music what are some of your influences, man? Because obviously Bryce said you just had such a collection on this album itself. So what are some of the types yeah. of, I mean, obviously you bigger bands that you listen to or whatever. So what are some of those that influenced this album? Um, uh, so this album, um, John Prine was a huge influence just because, I mean, I've, like, I'm, and I have to put it up to um, one of my best friends and bass player from Brothers, Jordan Thornton, um, he he was one of the main people who introduced me to John Prime. Um, his and like we would just get stoned and drunk <laughs> super late and always listen to John Prime and sing all these old country songs and um, and that was John Prime was a huge one. Um, and not to interrupt, but rest in peace, John Prime. That happened this year absolutely. with all the COVID and everything. So. Um, there's um, not a lot of real musicians left out there. I mean, there's good musicians, but it seems to be, you know, blanketed with auto-tune and the ability to edit everything perfect. So when you harken back to people that could pick up an instrument in the middle of nowhere uh, and put on a show, regardless of album or, you know, two people watching a show in a park, um, it's kind of unfortunate that we, we lost somebody like that, so... But back yeah. to back to what I think Jim was asking as well. Um, maybe not necessarily artists themselves, but like the styles of music and where they came from. You know, like okay. yeah, you know, yeah. uh, I don't. I assumed you were maybe one of the band kids, or am I totally wrong? I was a band kid. Absolutely. Uh, like I, I've been. I didn't. I started my my first music class when I was a kid. I was 
in like sixth grade. I picked up the trombone um, and then played it um, pretty much only sixth grade year. And then in middle school, I switched to choir and like musical theater for a while, um, which is, I mean, great experiences, but I'm actually performing music on a stage and like this this way, the way I do it now is the way that I want to do it and the way I love it um, the most. But um, then through high school, um, like I, I played euphonium in school and then countless bands. You know, it's actually kind of funny how like brothers is a thing because um, when John and I were in like freshman year of high school, we started a band called Duct Tape, and it was just us two, and it was him playing guitar and just me singing because I couldn't play guitar. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, back to like random other like kind of music. Like I, I really liked electronic music, um, like different kinds of electronic. Um, like Aphex Twin is one of my favorite electronic and like Trick Finger. It's John um, John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh yeah, yeah. solo. Um, he has a, a whole techno artist um, called Trick Finger. Amazing. It's like '90s techno. That's like my fa- favorite. Or like acid house kind of stuff is that. Oh, um, I, I'm very big into funk. It's one of my top uh, and always will be just because. It was so ingrained into me as a kid, you know, and growing up through high school. My band director, Bill Legg, he was always jamming funk, and we were always listening to funk, and it was just ingrained in there. Um, rock, obviously, and psychedelic rock, and um, yeah, those are pr- pretty much my influences, but I mean, I have, there's there's pretty much everything I listen to, because I mean, there's there's good influences and bad influences. Like I'll hear stuff that I don't like. And I mean, I don't want to name any names, but like, I, it's like every, everything, even if it's a bad negative impact on you, it's, it has some impact influence. And like, I, I'm a person who I don't want to be, I have a really hard time being decisive. Yeah. I think that's the right word. Um, <laughs> about what, what I like and what I, what I want, especially when it comes to being a musician. Um, it's like, if I had to just decide, you know, I'm just going to be a funk musician, or I'm just going to be a rock musician, or I'm going to just be a singer-songwriter, I would go insane. I couldn't do it, you know? Yeah, that's I, a like, really, to, like, really good point, because uh, I, I think just like people, uh, you have a style of music that you like. Uh, one example, it's kind of from a pop reference, but like Carrie Underwood, an amazing country singer who really didn't listen to country at all until she got on the show or whatever before she won it and everything. And, you know, you go to her house and she's going to be listening to, you know, rock or something else. She's she's avid against country. Um, I'm forgetting his name, but there's the country guy that's super, super popular. He's got all the back road songs and stuff, but he's one of those ones that when you go to his house, he has rap and hip-hop and shit oh, like Luke that. Oh, Luke Bryan and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And so for kind of along what you're saying, it seems like, the best musicians are people that are open to all sounds, even ones that are annoying to them, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even even if something is annoying to you, it's like, that is an influence because, I mean, I, mean, I feel like a lot of the time when people think of influence, it's like, well, what has, like, has been a very positive thing, you know, like in your musical life or like what's something that you've seen and be like, I want to do that. But it's like also that something that I feel like kind of gets overlooked is like 
you'll hear something that you don't like, and in your mind you're going to be like, I don't want to be that. And that is a bigger influence than hearing something and saying, I want to be like that. Oh, you know? okay. Because, yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah. That that makes sense. Uh, you see, you know, a band like, oh, it's unfortunate, but like Nickelback. There's a ton of songs that I actually really like, I'll admit, right now. <laughs> on the on the air that I really like it, but you can also look at their entire catalog of work, and you always know it's Nickelback song. It's gonna have the same kind of hooky stuff. It's his voice. It's you know his way of playing guitar. There's very few things that I've ever heard, except for on a couple albums that you know in the very back tracks or something. It's something that would be really really heavy. Uh, but in that sense, that seems like one thing that either you love to have a sound that tons and tons of people like and so then you can get by as a quote-unquote career musician or you're somebody that looks at music the way that you seem to like from a passionate standpoint that you want to create music and so it doesn't matter how that is done you know whether it's a five gallon bucket flipped upside down used as a drum and you know like those kind of things you want to be involved in the music yeah exactly it's like um like yeah like i for me um, like music is pretty much the constant in my life and always has been. And when it, when it hit my life that I, I that I was going to play music and that's what I wanted to do, I have never went back on that. I've never had a second thought and, you know, it's probably because like I've never stopped enjoying myself, you know, like there's definitely been some times where I got really serious about it and serious to the point where I was burning myself out and then it's like getting back to the point where it's realizing well music is just all about enjoying it and that's all that matters you know is if you're as long as you're enjoying it you know like the times where i write the best songs and at least the, the songs that i feel are my best ones um are the times where i'm not trying to write a song it's where i'm jamming out to one of my favorite bands or just jamming out to the music driving down the road and then like they're just jamming out and I like random words just will hit me you know it's like boom and then like I'll just go down tangent you know it's like oh this 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 um and it's like it's it's when you put so much focus on it you know kind of like creating a nine to five out of something as beautiful as music exactly I mean it's like you let it you let it be and you let it happen because I mean I mean it's like when you're if somebody, like an, a great artist, you know, like a great painter, this might not be a great example, but like a great painter, it's like, if when they sit down and they're like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna paint an awesome picture right now, they're probably going to draw a blank for a while. If they're, when they're just enjoying life or enjoying just taking in something that they love, and then they just get hit, it's like, ah, oh, inspired to do something and to make something, because it's like good music isn't it, like not all good music I guess is probably the way I would say um, is written in that way of you know we I gotta write the best song ever you know right yeah those those, those those songs you listen to them you can tell you know like a and forced like, I mean, effort yeah it's like I'm John uh, John Gossi um, drummer of Brothers who is my brother? Is like we, we he was the one we started it. Um, it's like we mean and we're talking the other night because we FaceTime every night and talk about music and he is he is a 
one of the biggest influences on me of all time, and I want to just put that out there, um, that you don't have to have big influences, like huge, famous influences. Sometimes influences are just the people you're hanging around with who are just putting out those awesome vibes and encouraging you and doing that, and that's all John has ever done for me. Um, but... Well, and that's, a, that's kind of an amazing thing, too, is that you guys could carry it on because there's so many people that, you know, you have a best friend in school and it's like you can't live without them and then within three, four, five months of high school getting out, you forget their middle name and, like, where they used to live and um, it seems like music helps you guys kind of carry through that. There's, like, this goal, this thing to be a part of that you're so interconnected with that um, it would be really hard to let each other fall off. You know, one or the other is definitely going to notice if the other one's not there. Yeah, absolutely. And there there have definitely been times, like, especially, like, I mean, I'll own up to it on my end, um, like, getting close to, like, like, right before I decided that I was moving over here, I was, I don't know, I feel like I was probably not the easiest person to play music with. I mean, it's like, yeah, it was like... Yeah, it was fun when we got into it, but at the same time, like, I was trying to force moments to happen, like, when we were playing, and it was just being super forceful, and it's like, I I wasn't enjoying it that much, and then, um, it's like, going back and going back um, home a couple months back um, to help um, my brother, um, like, getting to play with them again, because we... Uh, we actually jammed twice while I was there and just not having any expectation of doing anything and just strictly enjoying it. It was some of the best jams that we've ever done. And it was just like, made me realize how thankful I am for everything that goes on between us three when we can get together and play, you know? For sure, man. It's like, we do something somewhat similar here. We have, a group of friends that will get together and all watch wrestling one once a week or once a month or something like that. And it's it's kind of the same vibe. We all kind of all go off and do our own thing. But when we get back together, it's such just a mellow and chill and cool vibe that it's you can't help but not enjoy the moment, you know? Well, and it seems like that's what it what it takes, you know, to have something special or you know, you know Dallas with music, us with wrestling and pods and everything. You have to, you have to be able to keep something that keeps you in it. You know, just yeah. like you know, you know, I'd imagine. I I don't know if you you said your last album was recorded all by yourself. Um, what Actually, was the, uh, all all of all of my solo stuff, everything that I've ever put out for my solo stuff has been recorded by me. Oh wow! Okay, wow, that's pretty amazing, bud. Uh, it seems so and fun, full. But, like, um, you're not to interrupt, um, but the fastback, the song that you guys um, you're using for the um, the outro. A fun story about that is, I wrote a song like a rock song to be a new brother's song because hint, hint, um, we have a new bro- brothers album that we're waiting to record and we're going to get together and do it. Yes. Um, I'm, awesome. I am super excited. I was hoping that you would maybe say something like that uh, on the pod, yeah. and then I was like super sad. Like if I brought it up, he'd be like, "Well, actually, we're never gonna do anything ever again, ever." And then, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when I when I decided I was leaving, 
is like I said, we're not breaking up. I, you guys, you, you're going to be okay with it. We're not breaking up, you know. It's like we're going to make this work. We're going to do it because we're brothers. We're family. This is what we're doing. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go do other stuff, and you guys are going to do other stuff too, but this is still a thing. We're not, we're not ending anything. We're just stepping back for a little bit. So have you guys done any collaboration stuff since you've moved? Have you done any, I mean, you say you're working on an album without, you know, telling us too much. Um, um, how how well, does that work? Um, like, I have a hard time just talking to Jim if he's not in the room. So, like, I could not imagine trying to do music in, in that sense other than, I guess technology has brought us to a point with, that we're all together in the same room most of the time, but... Um, have you, have you been working in that sense, or do you guys just send each other stuff and then somebody works on it and sends back, you know, you do a guitar track it, or something it, and he does the drums or however yeah, that it, works? It's, it's pretty much um, that, like, I'll send something their way and then they go over it, listen to it, and then um, send stuff my way and then we work from there, you know? Um, it's not always the most ideal. It's not as productive as... as I mean, I'd love to just be over at their house playing, you know, and, like, writing together because that's how a lot of the brother songs came up to be was, was us playing together and just jamming, you know? Yeah. Um, and that like, reminds me of a... that way. Go ahead, bud. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd love it to be that way, but um, it's like we're just trying to take it as best we can. Is like, at this point, the best we can do is um, just send each other stuff back and forth and you know and that's where it's like communication is huge I mean communication is huge when you're in a band with people that you see every day but when you're with people that you don't see ever you know <laughs> it, you really have to communicate well if you want to be able to like have everybody happy with the, the product of the song you know it's like you want everybody to be on the same page. You really need to communicate. And sometimes it's sometimes we're awesome at it, sometimes we're not. And I'm one of the worst people about it because I I am <laughs> a I'm a social person, but I am also just such an anti social person because I'm I like to work on stuff and I like to make stuff, you know. It's like when I'm like when I'm working on stuff, if I I, I know myself and I know my temptation to get sidetracked. It's like if, if like I'm working on a song and um, I for the moment just think I need to call call John, you know, sometimes as soon as I get off the phone, it's like crap, I don't even know where I was going anymore and I lose full track, you know, or it's like if I get on Facebook for a minute, it's like crap, now I, 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 I felt like I was onto something and like, and then it's gone. Right, you know, so that, it's like I know That does seem to be the downfall of the technology nowadays. Is our attention span is like a half a second long, and so if anything interrupts, like our phones that are constantly doing so, or you know, being on Facebook, whatever, um, I would imagine that that's really trying to be social in that sense. Like I. I I wouldn't even consider it antisocial. It would just be considered trying to be productive and trying yeah. to actually finish something without having to be attached to the outside world. Or have something sidetrack you from your train of thought at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes I'm really good at it. Sometimes I'll, I'm a horrible 
horrible at it, you know? <laughs> we all fall victim to it, man. We all fall victim. Well, especially something but, um, like I, that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention, I was, I was going down a story, but I, I got sidetracked. I, it happened. Um, but, um, piece of candy. Fastback, the, the song that you guys are using for your, um, for, for your outro. Um, so I recorded a rock, a guitar rock song, um, and I, like, I, I did a full demo of it, so I put, like, program drums on it, and I played bass, and I did a ton of extra stuff to it, and I'll send it to you guys separately just so you guys can check it out, um, but that song is literally, I, I took the full song, and then I sped it up, cut it up, and DJed, like, it piece by piece to make the song fast back. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, that's so awesome. it's, it's, it's one of our it's a it's a brother's rock song but it's i cut it up and changed it to be a total different song and like when you go listen to it you won't even think about it it doesn't make any sense huh. and and that's, is that's possibly kind of thing that was cool yeah is that a song going to be on the new album possibly like a redo remake put it in there type of thing or are you one of those people that wants to be done with a song and move on um, well, I think that that song will probably, it, it could very well make an appearance. Um, I believe it. As long as I can write words to it, that's, that's one of the things sometimes. It's like, if I can't write words to it, it's really hard to just do a song. <laughs> well, I'd imagine um, cadence is like the most important thing, especially, you know, like Tom Petty, for example, seems to always be singing like a sloth like he never moves past like rounding out words it's like very drawn out not super fast and so it'd be like going like hey tom petty sing this pantera song for us and he'd be like no yeah. man i can't do that you know like it would be <laughs> like so yeah that that would be challenging because I, i've been in that same place where i've tried to be in you know in bands or get friends together you know i played guitars through the years i've played bass i've played drums uh i sang a little bit and I would always get with people that I really loved playing with, but they were always playing like 50 times faster than I was able to come up with anything. You know, I, I like yeah. words, especially like lyrics where they mean something. Some songs, it's just like, I don't even, how do I influence this or how do I slow it down enough? Because I like really hooky stuff. I like things that are, you know, you have to think about the lyric and it's like, oh shit, you know. So that doesn't translate with like fast rock songs sometimes. I mean, there's obviously people oh, out there yeah. very capable of doing that. That's just not me. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I try really hard sometimes, and it's like the times where I try really hard, like um, it's like the same kind of thing um, that I'm having to do with that song um, on the last Brothers album that we did. Um, not like the demo one, but the which if you haven't heard the demo one, you guys should go listen to it. Uh, check out Homeless Guy with Dogs. It's the <laughs> it's, it's fire it, it's awesome okay. um, is that on Spotify but, as well yeah it, it's on Spotify it's under the brothers profile um, it's um, called demos candy from the junk drawer the, <laughs> the brothers um, little thing and it's it's gonna be a part one because we have all kinds of different weird demos and it's it's really just like weird stuff that we've made on the side that is just fun you know well, and some of that um, stuff is the funnest stuff to, to dink around on. It's almost like riding oh, yeah. a skateboard where, like, you can go to the park or you can go to that stair set or that handrail and you're, like, pushing it. But then there's hot dogging, you know, just jumping on it and doing little Kirby's and sliding around and having fun. Like, 
they're both skateboarding, but they all are both so different from each other, just like music, like you're talking, like almost, you know, let's jam this till something comes out and we're just having fun with it as opposed to like, I have a thought. This was the song that came out and it's, it's almost like standing at the top of those stairs where you're like, okay, we're going to figure this out. You know, that intimidation factor probably tenfold in music i would imagine i'd much rather fall down a set of stairs than like flub up on stage (laughs) really you know what i mean uh yeah i mean i've 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 messed up on stage i have a lot of really fun stage stories just because like we've been very adventurous and playing with sobriety (laughs) (laughs) that that, that always helps with it um just messing around um, like there's all kinds of, there's been so many times where I've messed up and you know what, like, it's kind of like realizing is like, like I've messed up and been on stage in front of a ton of people and I've been pissed, like visibly just upset. Um, and like it, it ruins the whole vibe of the jam. And then there's a whole, there's like times where I've forgotten like a main riff of a song the first time it drops in of a song to start a show. And you know what? It's like, that time I was probably stoned off my ass, and I, like we all just stopped and laughed, like gut rolled. And then John counted it off, and we launched into it again, you know? It's like, it's, it's, it's all about the attitude of it. It's like... Yeah, if you're not like, embarrassed, then everybody's not going to feel embarrassed for you. Like, even the best exactly. musicians have taken that second take. You know, there's, I mean, and I'm not like huge on this band at all, but like there's a Green Day song that starts where he's like, bum ba dun dun, ah shit, dun da ban dun, and obviously that was on purpose or whatever, but that's the kind of thing where it's like, ah shit is included in the album instead of like excluded out of pride or like arrogance or whatever, so things like that are awesome. It's it's being real, you know, It's, it's not being afraid to just be real, because like, I mean, I'm not perfect. You're not, you guys aren't perfect. I don't, I haven't met a single person in my entire life who is perfect. And it's like, if you can, if you're trying to be perfect, you're, you're just going to show that you're, you're not capable of that. But if you're just like, you know what, I'm here, I'm in this moment, I'm having fun, you know, I might mess up, but I'm going to be here a hundred percent and enjoy every second of it then you're going to have the best show of your life. And you know what, even if you mess up, it's still going to be the best show of your life because you're, you're enjoying it. You're part of that moment. And like, that's where like, I love playing live music because you're a part of that moment with every single person in that room. Even if the person hates it, they're still a part of that moment. They're going to remember it. You're, you're never going to get that moment back. So you can be upset that you messed up in that moment, or you can just be excited and happy to be there and keep moving forward. That's a good way to look at it, man. It's a good way to look at life, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are you doing, like, now, now? Like, what's work? What's your day look like? What's what's next Um, for Dallas? Well, as of right now, I I work at Guitar Center in Lexington. um, Fitting job. Slinging some axes and (laughs) sound equipment. Um, And then I record, like, I have... The funny thing about the like, like I, I have an out, another album that I have coming out. Um, I have brother stuff that I, I'm working on, um, and I'm playing with a group here that we we just jam, started jamming a couple weeks back, and it's really flowing really nice. Um, 
but yeah, my, my day pretty much when I don't work, um, I get up, I usually have a cup of coffee, start listening to some music because if I don't listen to music first thing in the day, then my whole day goes to waste, you know, because <laughs> I, I, I'll get sucked in by the TV, you know, I'll, I'll like, and sometimes like putting the TV on is going to be a, a huge benefit for me to get working because I can like distract my conscious mind and let my subconscious just sit on the guitar and play. I can sit on the couch and play guitar and then just make up stuff. And it's like every day is kind of different, but, um, like I usually start with a cup of coffee and go through and listen to music and then usually just jump straight into recording. Sometimes I'll record a brand new song and sometimes I'll just go and like recut vocals on something or jump into mixing. It kind of just depends on where I am and how, how inspired I'm feeling at the moment, I guess. Well, it's kind of funny, like you were saying, like sometimes you have to get to the TV or, or you have to get your music on to get to where you want to be. And it makes me think like, <coughs> pardon me, uh, like what are famous people doing that's different? And it's nothing. Like <laughs> like some famous musician is right now probably sitting on his couch watching TV, eating ice cream or something. And the difference, I think, between good musicians like yourself and the rest of us is you draw inspiration from everything. Like, artists look at everything as something, you know, they don't just look at the object, they look at what it is. And, you know, yeah. with that being said, that's why, you know, a great musician could gain something from, like, the serial jingle on television or whatever. Or not even that, maybe you just see a scenario and it puts a thought to a story, to a song in your head, and then it trails behind whatever that song sounds like. But, like, the oh, idea yeah. of something. It's like, for me, it's like, I'll go... Like, I haven't used this in a song, and I probably won't use it in a song, but it's just a funny thing. It's like, um, after I moved here, um, I went to, every time I go to Walmart, I just see Amish people. Um, <laughs> um, and, but, like, I know the, the Mennonites, but every time, like, I'm always, I always think of going back to my theater days, it's the Mennonites, um, I always, like, picture, like, a Mennonite theater group performing men in tights. It's just like random, like, I was literally walking through Walmart, I saw an Amish person, and that whole scene popped in my head, you know, just like random. <laughs> and sometimes it'll be, sometimes it's stuff like that, and sometimes it's an awesome chorus, you know, that I write a full song for. <laughs> and it's it's just being able to be open to whatever comes at any moment, you know. See, I was just attested that to smoking. That too. <laughs> I was gonna say I tested that to smoking way too much weed before I went to Walmart. But yeah, yeah, that, I, yeah I, well. I I totally see what you mean. Where a whole scenario, a whole story, or what you think, like a preconceived notion of what you're looking at when you turn a corner at a store or something, and then you go, "Oh, I assume this is happening." And I've done this numerous times and been super, super embarrassed in my life where I turn the corner. And you see one person, you know, in one position, one person doing something else, and you just assume, like, whoa, what the fuck is going on right now? And then it has nothing to do with where your brain goes, and you're like, oh, shit, if I'd have waited three more seconds, I wouldn't have just totally made myself feel like an idiot. <laughs> like, asking somebody if they're okay simply because they're picking something off the ground while their child's also throwing a fit, so it looks like somebody's just choking their kid on the ground in the middle of Walmart. You know, <laughs> like, like, everything's fine. And now that I have kids... Side note, I totally get it. I wouldn't even blame the person for choking the kid on the floor at Walmart anymore. Um, but things like that, where you just, you see a story in a moment, and that's, I 
I think, an artist's mind in general. They take something and they make a story. You know, they don't need something to make a story. They need just that one thing, and it wraps it all yeah. up. Um, and you Sometimes seem... you just need a, a picture, like a, like some like today. Well, now I was actually driving over to the studio that I'm at right now. Um, like I was, I was just driving, and I was thinking about um, a story, like not a story. I was thinking about an a experience that happened, and like to me, not too long ago. Um, about so I was I was smoking a little bit and I accidentally <laughs> blew into my apparatus and um, everything went flying and then I was like went on like went on the ground picked everything up <laughs> and then I put it in my put it back in there and then it's like right before I went to hit it again um, it's like I looked down and one of the things that I thought was like a half burnt little nug. It was a dead honeybee, you know? And I was like, oh, I won't smoke the honeybee, you know? But then I, in my mind, like, I contemplated. I was like, wait, do I be the, am I the guy who almost smokes the honeybee, or am I the guy who accidentally <laughs> <smoked the> <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, are you the guy that contemplated it and still wanted to smoke the bee? That's a whole other character by themselves. <laughs> I, I contemplated it, but I did not do it, you know? Oh, no. I got to get... Like, I mean, he, he probably would have enjoyed a cremation, but I, I, I just let him fly to the wind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I tell you what, man, it has been super awesome having you on here. Uh, if you would, kind of plug your bands real quick and plug where we can find you, obviously Spotify. Um, yeah. And who you're working for, or working with, I should say, in music. Okay, yeah. Um, so, obviously Brothers is going to be... Um, a main and a huge part of my heart. Um, we're on every streaming platform, like iTunes, um, Apple Music, pretty much everywhere you can find your music, we're, we're on there. Um, I have my, my solo stuff under Dallas Boyd. Um, I also have everything that I've released pretty much everywhere, um, except for one album that I, I pulled self-consciously that I'm going to upload back up. Um that was actually the first one that I did when I first moved to Kentucky. Um, but I'm going to upload that and everything will be back on Spotify and Apple music, iTunes. Um, I am, I play with a, a group we're called will cash. Um, we don't have anything, any music out yet, but we are in the works for it. And then, um, another band, the guys that I'm, I've just started playing with, um, nothing like we're, like I said, we're just starting. So um, as soon as um, we get stuff rolling and get to playing and recording, I will definitely relay you guys that information. Um, also, one other group that I, I really, um, when it comes to influences, I, I want to say something about um, one of my best friends who is not not here anymore, um, Jake Havercamp, um, one of the biggest influences that I've ever had in my life and still to this very day. Um, he is... He's, me and him, we are juicy, the Juicy Boys. Um, we're on SoundCloud as of right now, um, but very shortly I'm going to have everything uploaded to everything, and I'm going to make a big post about it when it comes out. But um, like we did an album called um, Passion Cigarettes and No Pleasure Cigarettes and Passionate Midnight Love Making, um, <laughs> and Jake like just flowed these words and 
uh, melodies off the top of his head and just phenomenal writing and phenomenal singing and just an inspiration um, on all fronts. Um, and like the Juicy Boys is the group. Check check out on SoundCloud. I'll I'll also share links and stuff. And when I get everything out on Spotify, I'll I'll share it out that way. But Jake is always as always gonna be an influence to me, just because like from the minute me and him started working together and doing stuff, it was like instant. You know, we're we're best friends, and this is what we're doing, and um, and it's just you know, I'm I'm always gonna hold on to the inspiration that he gave me, especially at a very low point. Because when we first started working together, I really wasn't feeling that inspired or good about what I was. Yeah. Like what you were doing with the album. You still there, man? He put the joy back into enjoying music and making music, and I I can't thank him enough. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Um, um but yeah, that's probably. Uh, so uh, my, if super fans or. If uh, super fans or you know what? groupies or anything like that want to find you on Facebook or Instagram, where where would we find you guys on there? Or are you guys even doing that with all the uh, um, music the platforms? Brother, brother, yeah. Um, Brothers is on Facebook and Instagram and all those things. I am also. It's just for me. It's a Dallas Boyd at every at, on everything. You know. <laughs> Perfect. That makes um, that a lot easier. <laughs> I don't have anything for the Juicy Boys other than SoundCloud. And we'll definitely check that out. It, um, yeah. It seems like an inspirational thing. But, um, we, will yeah, look, just... we are definitely looking forward to uh, you putting that out, and we'll watch for the posts. Uh, again, everybody, okay. this is Dallas Boyd from Brothers. Um, he was nice enough to come in and do an interview with us over the phone from a billion miles away. And uh, we thank you for your time, man. And uh, hopefully I uh, get to see you soon, maybe share a beer, ride some skateboard, something, uh, if you plan on getting back in town. Sounds great. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, I'll let you guys know as soon as I I know when I'm coming back. I know I am planning on coming back before the end of the year. Perfect. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again. Uh, Uh, Well, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hope to do it again. Maybe we can do an over-the-phone interview crossroads guitar battle between you and somebody. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, thanks again. We'll talk to you later. I dig it. All right. Bye, Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) Of course.